Corinthians series is we're on a downward slope on the Corinthian series of coming to the towards the end. Hopefully, we've all learned some things uh, to apply to our lives about uh, what the book of Corinthians that Paul wrote uh, through the inspiration of the Spirit so many years ago and how it applies to us. Today, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, this talks about the Lord's Supper and how that uh, the church should act and uh, exist. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, if you're there, let's read verses uh, 17 and forward. If you'll stand. But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you. For it sounds as if you have, if more harm than good is done when you meet together. First, I hear there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. And to some extent, I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that you who have God's approval will be recognized. When you meet together, you're not really interested in the Lord's Supper, for some of you are hungry to eat your own meal without sharing it with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. For I pass on you what I received from the Lord himself. On that night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it, then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, and agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this and remember me as often as you drink. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup, for you for if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and have some even died. But even if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you're really hungry, eat at home so you won't bring judgment upon yourselves when you meet together. I give you instructions about the other matters after I arrive. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we're grateful for your scripture. We're grateful for the book of Corinthians. God, we ask today that you would just allow our minds, our hearts, our spirit man to be receptive of what you would say to us today. God, that we could have the right mindset and attitude, Lord, to receive what you're asking us today through this message. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says amen. It never ceases to amaze me how that each week as I look at a portion of Scripture or a section of Scripture that I see it played out in my life. The things that I go through the week 
that we're studying anything God gives us, he shows us through example. So this portion in 1 Corinthians, a lot of people usually always take this scripture to preach and talk about uh, communion because that is kind of the centerpiece of the message about communion. We're not going to receive communion today as a church. We do that periodically. Some churches do it every week. Some denominations do it weekly and every time they meet. But I believe that is something that the Lord just calls us to. And when we sense the urgency of the moment, we offer communion here at Bethesda. But today I want us to look at this scripture from a different perspective. The perspective that I have learned this week. The perspective is this, that as I was going throughout this week, I've been super busy. I've been covered up with things on my job. I was out of town. I was uh, in Louisville all week. Uh, spending every day and just, a, it was an extreme busy week. The scriptures that it's talking about here is Paul writing back to the Corinthians because there was a, a diversity in income amongst the people in the church. There was people that had a lot and there was people that had a little. There were some that were just had abundance and there were some that was seeking just the necessities. So as I was through this week, I have uh, been with my job site. I saw that uh, the apprenticeship contest that we was a part of, that we would go from place to place, and, and uh, every day we was allowed to eat whatever we wanted. I had a credit card that's on behalf of my organization and they allowed me to buy the meal for everybody that I, that I took to the contest. So some restaurants we went to, I, I was able to buy steaks for everybody there. And I witnessed people buy $29 steaks just for the steak. I witnessed some people decide just to have a hamburger. Some people ate shrimp. Everybody just got whatever they wanted because the finances were there to have what you wished. I saw extreme when it comes to the goods of this world. So my whole week was filled with that, where that it was just a, a time of excess. And during the lunch, during the day, there was companies would come and supply this contest with all the food you wanted. So some days they would bring in, they had like this uh, uh, Mexican-type dish, and you could just eat all you want. They bought donuts every morning. There was more donuts was there than could fed a, a multitude downtown. But we had so much that there was always leftovers. There was always too much. And when you spend a whole week living in the realm of excess, it seems to bother me sometimes. I myself have been blessed in this life. And as 
Paul is writing back to the Corinthians here, he's telling them that there's sometimes when you come together and meet at the church that there's people that have a whole lot and there's people that have very little. That there is diversity there. So as he's speaking to them, he's telling them, you can't come in and have your communion because I guess at that point in time, the church didn't serve you communion. You brought your communion with you to partake together. This sounds weird to me. And everything I've ever saw in my life, it was people, as always, the church would get the grape juice together and the church would get the crackers together. And then everybody would come and partake together because it's the way it's always been in every church I've ever been. I've never heard of a church that had the congregation to bring their communion with them when we meet together. But this is what Paul said the Corinthians was doing. But he was shaming them because some brought a lot. And when they brought a lot, they wouldn't share with the others. So in my weekly time this week of seeing what God was showing me through this portion of Scripture was, I've saw plenty this week. I've saw people leave half of their $29 steak laying on the plate because they had ate until they couldn't eat any more. Then it comes... When I come back home, still things needs done at my job, so I'll go in Friday to work again. I don't get paid for Fridays, but I was there because I had to be there. If you're on salary, some people think salary is a good thing. I'll tell you right now, salary is not a good thing. When you get paid 40 and have to work 50, it's not a lot of fun. So I was there and working and Saw different people trying really hard. And it's usually the ones that try the hardest that I notice and realize that has the least. So then I worked all day Friday, and then then yesterday was the outreach for Bethesda that Leslie's heading up and leading. So we go down to the to the apartments behind Steve's market and set up and, and uh, give away free hot dogs. Mary, thanks to Mary and Rachel for painting faces and and causing kids to smile. But when I woke up yesterday morning, I was tired because I've worked all week. And I was like, there was a funeral that was in in Grayson that I needed to go to that I wasn't able to. There's two or three other things I needed to do but couldn't. And I went to this outreach, and and really, I, I wasn't there, Ernie. I was there with my physical body, but my, my uh, abilities and, and, and what I needed to do, I wasn't there. I wasn't focused. You ever done that? That's where I was. And as, as this was happening, it was just like I get mad at myself. Has anybody ever got mad at yourself? I was mad at myself because I saw once I got down there because I was in a bad mood, I had a bad attitude, and I was there, and you get to see these little kids coming up and eating a hot dog and thankful and grateful for it when I spent a whole week eating steak. The Lord will humble you. Whether you like it or not, your attitude will be humbled by God. So as I saw this playing out, it really, yesterday after I went home, I was just so, I was aggravated at myself. 
because my <laughs> what I should have been doing was not what I was doing. And sometimes there's greater purpose in this life and God gives us abilities and talents to do things for Him and if we don't use them according to what He gave us, shame on us. It's as simple as that. So, seeing these kids and you know, George from town, what's George's name? George, no. Hughes, George Hughes. So he comes driving by, and I was cooking hot dogs, me and that and that, and, and Trampus was cooking hot dogs. And, and George come driving by, and I told him, I said, go catch George, I bet you he'll want a hot dog. So they run over and get George, and hey, George, you want a hot dog? Yeah, I'll take a hot dog. So we took him three hot dogs, because we had lots of hot dogs. How many did you buy? 80. 80 hot dogs we gave away yesterday. So they took over George's three hot dogs, and, and I think uh, Debo went running, got him a... Uh, a huggy juice barrel thing, whatever they are. So they take it over to him, and George, he doesn't have a lot. And Ernie, I witnessed him. People don't want stuff for free. And he got out of his car, and he wouldn't take our three hot dogs until he handed us a dollar. I said, George, we don't want your dollar. We... All this is paid for. It's free. It's yours. Eat as many as you want. Take five Huggies. We don't care. He wouldn't take them until he gave his dollar. So yesterday, this is, there's the dollar right here. And that night was tore up over it. She said, what are we going to do with that dollar? She said, i got to take that to Leslie. So she takes it to Leslie. So here's George's dollar. I didn't want the dollar. We were supposed to be there serving. But people can't receive from God because it's free. And that's what I realized yesterday, Ernie, was this. God's grace is free. His mercy is free. In the same way George didn't want a free hot dog, we don't like free grace. We don't like free mercy as Christians. We think we have to earn it or we have to pay him for it. He don't want your payment. He don't require anything of you. But in seeing this play out yesterday, it really got to bother me. I, I went home madder at myself. But I was grateful those kids got to eat. I was grateful to get to see those kids smile because of getting their faces painted. There were some kids that had to go to a ball game, so they run up real fast just to get a face painting and, and grab a hot dog and run, and that's okay. But when Paul's writing to the church and telling him that there is a diversity in the church on income basis and we should measure things and level things out, how much leveling do we do? How much do we really try to make a difference in other people's lives? And not just when it's convenient. 
Not just when it's convenient. Not just once a year during the missions banquet and taking pledges and saying, how much will you be able to help offset things around the world through our missionaries? So as I'm, I'm thinking about this and playing this out yesterday as I went home and I, I got on the couch and I was sitting there and, and Leslie was running around doing what she always does and I just sat on the couch. That's what I do. And as I was sitting on the couch, I, I pulled up a documentary. This documentary is named Living on a Dollar a Day. If you've got Netflix, please go watch it. Living on a Dollar a Day. Four college students taking economics and different type of classes and courses in college decided their summer through college, during their summer break, that they wasn't just going to go on and live a normal life. They're not Christians. They're not, it's not faith-based. It's, but they decided, I'm going to go see what it's like. We're studying economics, and they're, they're probably in some kind of financing field today, and they're probably up on the living it up at, in New York City and, and working Wall Street and, and doing all those things because these were some smart people. But they take off and they say, this summer we're going to go try to live on a dollar a day in Guatemala, which is the country that Amy, our, our children's church pastor, she... Not here this morning. She took her kids out fishing last night for her brother's birthday. She's coming to Kentucky Heights. But she went to those towns. She saw those people. And the average income in Guatemala is 90% of that population lives on less than a dollar a day. And I watched this documentary, this video about these four college kids that, that took off and went down there and they had to... Uh, worked through society just like the people of Guatemala and they, they lived in a house that they rented for really cheap and they lived on the, they, they laid on mats on the floor. There's no beds, there's no, it, it's, it's just straight mud in a hut and sleep on a mat. When you're accustomed to living in New York and accustomed to the college campus and the world that we normally live in in America and you end up laying on a mat in a mud hut It'll cause you to, your perspective to begin to change. So watch this video on these four guys living in this mud hut. They was trying to grow beets so that the beets would grow so they could sell them to make money to finance just survival. They was trying to make an average of a dollar a day. And they vi videoed the whole time the process. This is what the documentary is about. The, it's videoed. It's, it's a, a recording of the whole event. Every day they'd wake up and tell their story, what they went through, the people they met, see the video. And as I was sitting there watching this video, I began to get mad at myself again. Until we get mad enough to change something, we're not going to change anything. And I was sitting there watching this video thinking, how much excess is in my life? that I don't even realize until God shows me in Scripture. Until God takes me on an outreach downtown. Sometimes we need shown exactly the state of mind we're in. And until we become grateful for what we have, and not even grateful for just what we have, but grateful that we have enough that we can help others, it's scary times. 
Because in our comfort zone of, of staying mundane and, and just feeling like everything's okay and we're just on this path and, and you know. So I was really, God was checking me yesterday and I watched this whole video and it's like, man, really? Because God, I promised you when our missionaries came and I watched the videos about people hurting in, in Philippines, I promised you, God, I would help. And we have helped. This church has helped Kent and Page Parish fulfill a mission in the Philippines. But have we done enough? Is their communion table that they have to bring to their church every week the same as the communion table we bring to our church every week? You see, this is the challenge that God was showing us. That yes, there is unity in the church. Yes, there is a, a commonality between those that uh, love Jesus and accept Him as their Savior. But how far will you take it in being common? So I watched all this documentary. It really bothered me, really checked me, and I was mad at myself. I was questioning myself. I, I don't even know if I'm fit to be a pastor the way I operate. I, I'll be truthful with you. I don't know that I'm fit to be a pastor in the lifestyle that I live. You know why? Because someday every person in this room, you're going to stand before God, and you're going to give account. And I really, I really wonder, can we stand there and say, God, I've done all I could to help those without. I've done everything I possibly could with my talents, with my time, and with my treasures to help those without. Be scary. It'll be a scary day. So then... In the video, in Netflix, I was just like, okay, I'm going to watch another one. I click on another one. It's about dieting. This documentary showed the billions of dollars in America every year that's spent on dieting plans. There's little kids in Guatemala that don't grow over that tall because they're malnourished and don't have any food. And in America... We've got so much and eat so much that we pay to lose weight when those kids would die to gain a pound. I don't know the last time you've asked God to challenge you or shake you or bother you. But as a pastor, I'm asking you today, that needs to be our prayer. God, show me how I'm wrong. Show me how I'm wrong. So this documentary is just showing over and over and over again the excess in America and how that you know the body was created and, and they was talking about how it was designed and but they it wasn't a Christian based anything. This is not Christianity I'm talking about. This is people of the world. If four college students can understand that they have too much and they want to go see what it's like if we're going to study economics, what it's like for a person in Guatemala, how much more should a Christian how much, how much more should a Christian understand what that means? 
And if these food and dieting plans and all these things and these scientists are, are looking at it and saying, how is it that we've come to this point of where that we have to pay to lose weight when there's somebody around the world that's starving and can't get a dollar to gain weight? Does it seem fair to you? Does that seem equal to you? So are we willing as a church to say God challenge me. Check my attitude. Check everything in me. See, because I try to figure this stuff out, because the way my brain works, I try to figure things out. But the scripture that came back to me this morning as I, I was thinking about and praying about what, what, how am I going to, how is this going to come across? It's Proverbs 3. Proverbs chapter 3. I think it's verse 5. I'm going to flip there just to read it so I don't. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. The verses we just read in Corinthians says that there's many sick among you. Because of the inequality gap. Of eating the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. And the whole point of the whole scripture is there's inequality. When will it ever be enough? When will it ever be enough? And here, this scripture is telling us when we trust in ourselves. When we trust in our own understanding. When we try to figure everything's out, everything out on our own. It won't work. But if we just allow God to give us wisdom and allow us to see his will in our life, then we'll have health. How many would like to be healthy? Does anybody like to be healthy? I would like to be healthy. So in seeing this second documentary, just talking about soda and talking about pop and talking about sugars, and I think Earl quit drinking sugar. What? How long has it been? It's a month and something. He, he quit drinking pop. 
Derek and Laura has been on a health kick for how long? More than a year. It's been a while. want to be healthy. But I'd rather be God healthy. I want my physical body to be healthy. But mentally and spiritually, I want to run into brick walls like I did yesterday and see myself for who I am. That I've got way too much. And I'm going to be required of way too much when I stand before God. I don't know the last time you ran into a wall. Life is going to be busy. The way it was for me this past week, my life is busy. But I can't blame busy. Life is going to be hard. There's decisions I have to make that, that a lot of people, a lot of people's livelihoods, I'm accountable for now. I've got to make decisions. And those decisions, I feel the weight of those things. There's pressure on me from all directions. But I can't blame any of those things for my actions. So I'm asking you today, are you willing to pray to God, to ask him, please allow me to run into that wall where I end and you begin? Amen. Is anybody willing to do that? God, challenge me. Because if we're ever going to have unity in a church, It's all got to be taken into account. And I'm glad that Paul didn't stop in the, Corinthian, in the book of Corinthians and allow things to go on that shouldn't go on. He challenged everything. I don't like being challenged. It's no fun. But when God challenges us, it's because he loves us. That's what scripture teaches. Those the Lord loveth, he chastens. And if he chastens you, it's because he loves you. So today, I want you to stand. And I want us all to pray. And ask God to make everything clear. To make everything clear. Everybody here, if you'll just bow your head and close your eyes. I want everybody here just to pray very simply. And ask the Holy Spirit what he's saying to you today.
Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us today? Lord, you made it very clear to me yesterday. Lord, now help me to do the things you've asked me to do. Lord, I pray for those little kids in Guatemala. Lord, we've got missionaries, David and Deb, he's there. Lord, in Ecuador, we've got a bunch of missionaries that's there, the McDonald's. Lord, in Venezuela, a nation plagued with poverty. The Seuses are there. God, in the Philippine Islands today, there's little starving kids that are coming to church, God. And Kenton Page Parish is there, giving it their all. Lord, Don Amsler is down there in the Dominican Republic today serving you, serving your kingdom. And Lord, she sees it, poverty at an extreme rate, Lord, such as we've never ran into in our life. God, I pray for the income inequality around the world. Lord, that you would challenge us as a nation. Lord, not that we would send money, nor not that we would send finances to alleviate the poverty, but Lord, that food would hit the ground and it would enter the bellies of those that truly need it. God, I know that there's organizations on the planet today that receives money, and they talked about in the video I watched yesterday of the trillions of dollars that's poured in through benevolence, God, to, to go out into, these, into Africa, into these nations, God, and it never gets to the belly of those kids. Lord, don't let it lean on our own understanding as humanity. Lord, don't let us try to, to figure this out on our own, but Lord, let us lean on you. And Lord, let us learn of you. Lord, I pray today that there will be no hunger throughout the world. In Jesus' name.